This is Scott Archer, pastor of Central Congregational Church in La Mesa, California. Thank you so much for tuning into our Sunday service podcast, CCC Sunday Messages. I hope you find the messages both challenging and encouraging as you seek to know and follow Jesus in your daily life. If you live in or ever happen to visit the San Diego area, we would love to have you join us for worship and fellowship. For location, service times, and other information about our church, please visit our website at cccLamesa.com. CCC is a small but passionate intergenerational church working together for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors near and far. Well, as we get into the Word this morning, uh, once again, we are going to take a brief break, a one-week break from our series through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, We are going to be looking at the first two chapters of the book of Acts this morning, so I want to give you a moment to turn there in your Bible or in your Bible app. So we're going to be looking at various sections of Acts chapter 1 and 2 on uh, this Sunday because today is Pentecost Sunday uh, in the church calendar. Uh, we, along with uh, millions of believers and thousands of churches all over the world, are remembering the birth, uh, the birthday of the church, if you will, uh, as Jesus ascended to heaven. Uh, and just before he ascended, he commanded his disciples to go and wait so that they might receive power. This is recounted in the first chapter of Acts. And as they did that in chapter 2, which we'll read in a moment, we uh, remember the time that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, fell upon the original disciples uh, with incredible, visible power, and their lives and the world was changed forever. Today is the day we remember that. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is a Greek word that simply means 50th uh, because it is 50 days after Passover, um, which we celebrate and remember on Good Friday. So it's been uh, 50 days since that day, and uh, it is also the day, going back to the Old Testament, uh, the day that they would bring in the first fruit of the grain harvest or the wheat harvest, and they would bring it and they would wave it before the Lord and they would bring a, an offering of thanksgiving for the, uh, for the harvest that is there and also a sacrifice and, and a prayer that the harvest would continue to come in successfully. And, uh, and the reason we celebrate the coming, uh, the reason the church was birthed on this day, on Pentecost, God, this was not an accident, uh, is because it's the beginning of the harvest of God as the original disciples are filled with the Spirit of God and sent out into the world uh, to bring in the harvest of men and women, reconciling them back to God. Uh, as Jesus uh, encouraged us to pray, Uh, that's recounted in the Gospels, that we would pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers because the harvest is ripe. It's white unto, I'm not saying it right, it's it's ready to be harvested. Um, So we're going to look at that this morning. And um, and just, uh, we're going to read a a bit from chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Acts and uh, just make some comments and and, uh, just ask that the presence of the Holy Spirit, that he would come into our lives anew and that we would open our hearts up to him today in a new way. Um, That word Pentecost, obviously, is where we get the word Pentecostal, and that is a genre of Christianity, if you will. Um, I was raised in a Pentecostal 
uh, church setting, in a Pentecostal denomination. Uh, my father and my grandfathers, all of them were Pentecostal preachers. Uh, Pentecostal, there's a lot of things we could define that, ways we could define that, but uh, at its core, Pentecostals are people that believe that everything that we see in the New Testament that's assigned to the Holy Spirit, uh, the coming of the Spirit and power in our lives, the gift of speaking in tongues, uh, the gifts of healing and prophecy and words of knowledge and uh, all of those things, that those are still alive and today and available for God's people to be used for his good purposes in the world today. Uh, obviously, if you're a, aware of church culture, uh, some of you might not be, and that's, that's fine, but if you are, you also know there's whole parts of the church today that would say, no, those gifts, at least for the most part, ceased after the apostles all died. Um, I think that's a really, really hard position to hold uh, when you take the the uh, New Testament in its entirety, uh, and uh, and it, it's it's it really is an untenable position in my uh, belief, in my opinion. Uh, but here's the deal with Pentecostal and a Pentecostal belief. Um, there's either uh, there there's two errors to this. Uh, and there's one side that um, that Pentecostalism becomes to be almost synonymous with emotionalism and with uh, with, with things that are spectacular, always looking for the newest sort of uh, emotional outburst or the new, uh, looking for signs and wonders and casting demons out of copy machines and things like that. Um, I was raised in a little bit of that, uh, not from my own family, but in the church culture that was around me, you know, where people were in the services were almost swinging on chandeliers. Um, and, uh, and there's definitely some problems with that. But on the other hand, is that part of the church that just denies it completely and basically says God doesn't work that way anymore. Um, and uh, I think the truth is, uh, it's, I was going to say it's somewhere in the middle. I don't believe it's some, so much somewhere in the middle as uh, it's just the fact that God is alive. The Spirit of Jesus Christ is at work in the world, and it is through his Holy Spirit uh, resident in his followers is the way the world is changed by the gospel today. It's the way the good news that we've been looking at in, uh, through Mark's gospel, it's the way it continues to move uh, from our locale out into the rest of the world. So I would just encourage us this morning as we read these passages and we talk about this for a few minutes, just to open our hearts to the radical reality that the presence of God, the very spirit of Jesus himself is available to us. We can open our hearts up to him like we never have before. And I invite you to uh, make that your mindset and your heart set as we go through this this morning. So let's start at Acts chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm going to read quite a bit here and then we'll come back and comment on it a little bit. In my former book, Theophilus, uh, sorry, let me stop there already. Just a reminder, or maybe you didn't know this, but the writer of the book of Acts is Luke, the same person that wrote the gospel of Luke. Luke was a doctor. He was very educated. He was a very good writer. And if you go back to Luke chapter 1, you recognize, you see that Luke addressed his gospel to a specific person, his friend, Theophilus. Even though his gospel was meant for everybody, he wrote it sort of like a personal letter. And so Luke... Uh, Luke is sort of the, is, is the book of Acts chapter 1, and the, the Acts we have is almost like Acts chapter 2, or sec, uh, book 2. And so he starts 
Acts chapter 1 this way. In my former book, Theophilus, which is the Gospel of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? We read this last week, if you remember. He said to them, it is not uh, for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his, uh, by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then right after that, the section we looked at last week, if you remember, is the ascension of Jesus, where uh, they saw Jesus ascend into the heavens, and the angels came and said, men of Galilee, why are you looking into the heavens? Uh, This same Jesus, the same way you saw him go, will someday return. Let's stop there for a minute and make a a couple comments. Um, First of all, Luke says, in my former book, Theophilus, uh, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. The Gospels and the Gospel of Mark that we're going through that we're going to end in uh, in just a couple of weeks is just the beginning of the story. And now Luke is picking it up because uh, Jesus lived his entire life uh, in the country of Israel, mostly in northern Israel, and at the very end of his life, uh, several days down in, uh, in and around Jerusalem. He impacted uh, just a very small group of people. Uh, but from that, uh, from, but, but so that was just the beginning of the story. All the things Jesus began to do and teach. The continuation of the story is what Jesus is doing, was doing then through his original followers and now through us. Uh, those that have made a confession of faith in him and who have been filled with his Holy Spirit that they might carry on his work in this world. We are a part of this story. This, the book of Acts is still going on. In fact, if you were to read through the whole book, it's 28 chapters, it ends with the Apostle Paul in prison in Rome and it comes to an abrupt end. We don't find out what happens to the Apostle Paul. We don't find out what happens next. And I think Luke did that on purpose because he wants us to have this sense that this isn't a story from back then, but this is our story right now. The work of God is being done in this world through men and women who have submitted their lives joyfully to the lordship, to the authority of Jesus Christ and have sought him and been filled with his spirit so that they have his power to do his work. That's what's what's happening here. And he goes on to say that Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection for a period of 40 days, and mainly to teach them things, but also to convince them that it was really him, that he was really alive in a real body, that he wasn't a ghost, he wasn't an apparition. And then it says on one occasion, he tells them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit, um, because you're going to be baptized in the Spirit. 
uh, and let me back up a second. Um, the thing he was teaching them in those 40 days, it says he was teaching them about the kingdom of God. And now when he says, I want you to go to uh, Jerusalem and wait for the gift of the Father the, to be baptized with the Spirit, the disciples are still inward focused. The disciples still have a nationalistic mindset because they immediately say, um, the next time they met together, so Lord, are you, at, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God that is for the whole world. The disciples, even after the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and now his appearance and teaching to them, are still focused on themselves and their people and their nationalistic interests. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So important that we pause here for a moment because uh, no matter what, who we are, where we find ourselves in the world, obviously if you're watching this, most of us are here in America. We're, we're American citizens, or at least we live here. Um, and I would suggest that all of us have this nationalistic, self-centered tendency that our religious efforts are primarily motivated to keep us secure and to secure our benefit, and we can easily confuse uh, our Christian identity with our national identity, just as the original disciples were confusing their Jesus identity now, their Christian identity with their Jewish identity. Their question was, God, what are you, not what are you doing in the world, but their question was, are you now going to restore our kingdom? Are you going to put us back on top? Are you going to take care of us? And as we mentioned last week, Jesus basically said, that's none of your business and how all that stuff's going to shake out. But he says, you will receive power. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. And he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. These sort of these concentric circles from Jerusalem moving out. And if you took the time to read the book of Acts, you'd recognize that that is, a, that is a outline for the whole book of Acts. The disciples, like we often are, are focused on themselves and their own needs, their own uh, issues of security, and their own nationalistic interests. And it takes the coming of the Holy Spirit, the very power and presence of God, to break them out of that and to say, no, I'm going to take care of you. You're going to be fine. But I haven't come just for you. I have come to empower you to take this good news, this gospel message of the, of the saving work of God in Jesus Christ to the whole world, to your, near, your neighbors nearby and your neighbors far away that you haven't even met yet. And the book of Acts is the it's the telling of the beginning of that story. And I would encourage you, if you've never done it, to find some books about the history of the Christian missionary movement throughout the world. Uh, Christianity gets a bad rap throughout history at times because a lot of horrible things have been done in the name of Jesus. Things like the Crusades and things like the Inquisition. But those are really uh, anomalies because if you were to take all the Christian, Jesus-centered influence out of the world today, you would lose almost all of your hospitals. You would lose almost all of your public education. You would lose almost all of your care for the poor and the needy. Uh, you, would, you would lose the efforts to end slavery and those kinds of things in the world. 
through this small band of believers that were filled with the Holy Spirit and were thrust out by that Spirit out of their comfort zones and into the world, uh, the world was literally changed because they stopped caring just about their kingdom and they started, because they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, they became about the kingdom of God and they began to look outward to the rest of the world. Now let's look at chapter 2 briefly. One of the most uh, amazing, mysterious, powerful passages in all of the Bible. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, if we do a little bit of math, looking at some of the other scriptures, uh, we know that they, they went to this room where they were all together. It says there were about 120 of them. And we know that they were listening to what Jesus said. He said, go and wait. And if you do the math, we discovered that they waited, it looks like, about 10 days. They were all together in this room, sort of quarantined, maybe, if you want to say it that way. Um, probably a, still a little bit afraid because the same people that wanted Jesus dead would, would want them dead if they knew they were thinking about carrying on his ministry. But they were waiting. I'm sure they were talking, discussing, they were praying. They were saying, God, what's, where are you, Jesus? Where did you go? And what's next? This is where they are. And so when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And it says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were uh, sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now get this, this is the crazy, it, it starts crazy and it gets even crazier. It says, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Because they were there, not just the people that lived in the area, but Jews that had moved somewhere else were there, had come back for the festival of Pentecost. Uh, when they heard this sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own language? And then it lists a whole bunch of countries and a whole bunch of parts of the world, sort of like an arc from the, uh, from the southeast to the northwest. Uh, people from all over the world, hearing uh, their own language being spoken by basically these country bumpkins. Uh, and it says what they're hearing is we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue, in our own tongues, our own languages. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? But of course, there's always one in the crowd. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. What an amazing story. And uh, this, this is a, a unique story. Uh, as the original disciples, the, the ones that were with Jesus from his baptism, through all of his life, through his crucifixion, and through his resurrection, the original apostles, they will never be repeated. The people that were the first eyewitnesses of Jesus come together, they wait, and they are miraculously, powerfully uh, supernaturally filled uh, with the presence and the power of the, uh, of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. 
coming in the sound of a wind and in what looked like tongues of fire. And they began to speak in other tongues or other languages. Now, there's a lot of debate about tongues and and all of that. We're not going to get into that today, except to say the immediate effect of the coming of the Holy Spirit in this sense, or in this case, was first of all, it drew a crowd. (laughs) Because it was loud, it was noisy, and and it was confusing. And yet, at the same time, it became unconfusing as people begin to hear these men uh, and women uh, speak in their own languages. And it's so important to hear what this says. It said they heard them declaring the wonders of God, telling the story of what God had done in Jesus Christ, declaring his greatness and his goodness. The Holy Spirit, when he comes into our lives, what he does primarily is he cleanses us out, he blows all the chaff, all the sin, everything out of our lives, and he fills us up so that through our mouths and through our lives, we can declare and demonstrate the greatness and the goodness of God, and specifically the greatness and goodness of God demonstrated in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, have we opened up our lives to this radical power and presence of of God through his Holy Spirit, through the Spirit of Jesus. Have we, uh, on the other hand, have we sort of allowed our lives just to get into a religious routine where we're comfortable with uh, the songs that we sing, we're comfortable with the prayers we pray, uh, we're comfortable with our gatherings, well, without our gatherings right now, just sort of with the religious uh, accoutrements that we surround ourselves with. or have we, or at the same time, have, has our religion become just about keeping us comfortable and making us feel secure? Has it cut down to just, you know, uh, Lord, I lay me down to sleep. I pray my, you know, my, my, uh, the Lord my soul to keep. Uh, brothers and sisters, God loves us and he cares for us and he wants to bring comfort and encourage us to a, encouragement to us. But his work in this world, and specifically his work in our lives, is so much more than that. And on this Pentecost Sunday, can we repent of our shallow religiosity? uh, And can we say, uh, can we just say, God, here is my life. I want to wait on you, and I want you to fill me up with your Holy Spirit in the same way that you did your original disciples, so that in my unique way, with the gifts you've given me, and the talents you've given me, the place you've placed me, I can declare the wonders of God to my neighbors near and far. Now, the next thing that happens in this story is that Peter stands up. Now, this is just a, a month or so after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, and we know before Jesus was crucified, this same Peter denied Jesus three times. As people, as Jesus was taken away, arrested, and, and was being tried, people begin to say, hey, you are with him. We can tell by the way you talk. You're from Galilee. You're one of his friends. And three times, Peter denies knowing Jesus to protect his own skin. But now, after the ascension of Jesus, and after listening to Jesus, and going and waiting, and being filled with his Holy Spirit, Peter stands up in front of what is said to be a crowd of thousands of people, because by the end of his sermon, it says 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ in one moment, the beginning, the birth of the church. This same Peter stands up 
and he begins to preach the very first Christian sermon. And guess what? He didn't have an outline. He didn't have a three-point sermon. He didn't have a, he didn't have a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, he didn't have a worship band. There was nobody playing, for those of you that are old-timers, nobody playing just as I am at the end a whole bunch of times trying to get people to come forward. This same Peter went from being a coward to being, to being incredibly courageous as the power and the presence of God filled his uh, life. And he stood up and he addressed the crowd directly. And he quieted everybody down and he took them to task and he said, Hey, 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 folks, we're not drunk. Come on, give us a break. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. And he says, no, you need to understand what this is. And for the Jews, in the, which it was almost all Jews that were listening, they would have understood this very clearly. He said, this is the day you've been waiting for. All the Jews were looking forward to the day the Messiah would come and would restore in their minds the kingdom of Israel and would restore them. Uh, he says, this is that day, but it doesn't look like what you expect. And he quotes the prophet Joel saying, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And he delineates that specifically. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And that word prophesy there is not so much about predicting the future as it is speaking the very words of God. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Visions and dreams about what God is up to and what he wants to do in the world. Even on my servants, now get this, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they, both men and women, will prophesy. Speak the word of God boldly and faithfully. And the substance of what Peter preached, he went and gave them a history uh, from King David and, and, uh, tried, and located who Jesus was in the lineage of Jesus Christ. But the upshot of his sermon was that the very man that they crucified was God's Messiah and he has risen from the dead and he is thus the Lord of life. And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we repent of our sins, when we place our faith in God's salvation in the person and the work of Jesus, and then when we are filled with his spirit, he gives us the boldness and he gives us the clarity to begin to speak his message of salvation uh, in all different manner of ways, but the focus of it being we begin to declare the resurrected Christ as the savior of the world. We begin to declare the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. A message that the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1 that says, that is foolishness, that is a foolishness to the Greeks and a stumbling block to the Jews, but for those being saved, for those who are listening, it's the very power of God unto salvation. Brothers and sisters, in the world we live in today, with all the confusion in this time of pandemic, with all the heartache and the, and the, and the, uh, division uh, through these things we see happening uh, in, in a, of a racial nature. Uh, we don't need more religious people. Uh, we don't need more self-centered followers of Jesus that are just looking for uh, primarily for comfort and security for themselves or their vision of what their nation should look like. Jesus is the risen king and the savior of the world right now. And he is calling people to himself this day. 
And he is moving powerfully through all throughout the world. And he wants, he is longing to pour his spirit, his very life into you and to me in new and deeper and fuller ways. So that we can rise up and be the men and the women he's called us to be. So that we can be those people who he pours his spirit on and we prophesy in his name. We speak to our neighbors and, uh, and our friends, our work associates, our family members uh, with an authority and with a conviction and with a compassion that is true and it rings true and it meets them where they are. And we celebrate and we declare the resurrected Christ, Jesus Christ, as the living Lord and King of the world right now. Can we open our hearts to the Lord in a new way on this Pentecost Sunday? I have been convicted this week as I have looked into this passage. As I mentioned at the beginning of this message, I was raised in a Pentecostal setting. And there were a lot of things about that that I wouldn't want to go back to. A lot of it was, could just tend to be emotionalism. But man, there was something real at the same time. That when we came together as the body of Christ, there was an expectation that God was with us and the Spirit was immediately present in our gathering. And people were looking for that and they were opening their hearts to him. They were, they were, uh, we had altars, people coming to the altars. And, and as my grandpa would say, they were coming to the altar and they were getting right with God. People's lives were changed. People were set free from addictions. People were empowered for ministry. People were uh, called into mission, ministry and mission. Uh, all sorts of things took place. And I've just got to confess that I've sort of let that go by the wayside. And I think in some ways my faith and my ministry has become a little bit more cerebral, more head and less heart. Now, I don't want to give up my brains. <laughs> uh, as we mentioned last week, God's called us to be as Innocent as doves, but as shrewd as serpents. So can I just invite us today on this Pentecost Sunday and throughout this week, can I invite you maybe to make a commitment this week to read through the book of Acts. It's an exciting story. Read it through chapter 1 through 28 and just say, God, I want everything you have for me. I want to repent of selfishness. I want to repent of sinfulness. I want to repent of just uh, being more religious and less about you. And I want you to cleanse me and I want you to fill me up. Let's wait on him and let's let him do what only he can do so we can be the people he's called us to be. We can be a part of bringing in that great harvest of men and women to reconcile them back to the God that loves them so much. Let's pray. Well, Father, this is a wild and wonderful story. Uh, looking back at the coming of your spirit on your original disciples. Uh, Lord, in our sort of buttoned-up uh, Western culture, uh, it makes us a bit uncomfortable, at least for some of us. Uh, there's other parts of the world where this is, uh, they would be all in, and, and they're much more free in those ways. Uh, but Lord, as we think about this, God, we don't want to just be looking for some emotional experience. Uh, we certainly don't just need more religion in our lives. Lord, what we see in this uh, is just a ragtag group of people who were confused about what was going on and where you were, uh, but listened to you, and they went and waited. They sought you. They cried out to you. And in your good time, you came and met them with great power, and you changed their lives, and through them, changed the entire world. 
God, I believe that you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever, and that you are still at work in that way today. And so I just want to make a renewed commitment in my own life to seek you and to seek the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit in my life so that I can be a more faithful witness to the resurrected Christ and to the message of the good news of the gospel. And I would pray that for my brothers and sisters today. I pray that you would just help us to repent of anything and everything that would keep us away from the fullness of your life and your good purpose in us today. Thank you, Lord, for your great love. Thank you for your great power. Thank you that you have called us into this wonderful partnership with yourself. Help us look to you. Help us humble ourselves before you. Help us not give up and to keep moving forward. In Christ's name, amen.